welcome to As Seen on Internet, episode 18. Uh, I am your host, Amit Wadera, and with me is a, a new host, uh, John Rapp. Uh John is a, a vice president in Catch'em Digital in our New York office, and we have some handy-dandy new um, <laughs> recording software that allows me uh, to bring in people from the outside um, or outside our, our Chicago office here. So welcome, John. Maybe, John, do you want to give a, a quick little intro? Sure. And then we'll get going. Sure. Thanks, Amit. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, my name's John, coming to you live uh, from New York. Uh, I've been been with Catchin for a couple of years and, and worked a lot with, uh, with Amit uh, for on different projects. I'm looking forward to, to being a host uh, with him and, and talking to you guys about what's going on uh, online. Uh, I, I range my interest range from all things internet to uh, to dogs and, and good tacos. So <laughs> this should be uh, this should be fun. Awesome. All right, John, let's get going. Sure. Um, so what was we'll start with the uh, what was the most amazing thing that you saw on the internet uh, in the last couple of weeks? What what did you see? So I, I th- the most interesting thing that that caught my eye was uh, from Expedia actually. Um, they published uh, on their their viewfinder uh, travel blog um, about ancient ruins, um, and they they put together seven gifts that actually reconstruct uh, what ancient ruins like the the Parthenon um, and the Temple of Jupiter what they looked like. Um, so this is just a cool thing to to see because you know in your mind. Um, you can you can picture what the the Parthenon looks like now. Uh, you've seen mm-hmm. that in history books. You've seen that image all over the news. Um, and these gifts actually uh, step by step over maybe three or four animations uh, reconstruct what looks like. So it's a, it's a great way to see um, what once was uh, in a, in a real time uh, in shareable format. So it was a, a cool way to you know move that that big. VHS tape you had in elementary school that was showing you all of the all of the old history stories into a into a format that's that's fresh and, and shareable. Yeah, it, it's really cool to see just something, um, you know, like the the Luxor Temple. You know, when you know there's hardly any any of it, you know, still left today, and then you know it just kind of magically appears. We'll share that link um, in our show notes here so everyone can see it. It's a really cool. Um, really cool display and use of, of gifts here. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing that I saw uh, that was uh, really interesting, there's been a, a hot debate here over the last couple of weeks um, on Twitter. And um, obviously, you know, we all know Twitter is the place where people debate um, the most serious things in the world to the most unserious things in the world. And the latest thing that we saw um, is a debate are uncrustables ravioli or are they sandwiches um and as you know a ravioli is is a piece of pasta on both sides with some filling in it so technically um i guess uh uncrustables could be ravioli john what do you think are are uncrustables (laughs) ravioli or sandwiches you know, it, it, I I I, I want to say they're they're sandwiches because the the kid in me you know looks at this and, and says they're a sandwich. But I don't know if you've you've watched the new documentary on Netflix called Ugly Delicious. 
No, I have um, with with David Chang. Um, it's it's David Chang's new new cookie show, cooking show, and each uh, each episode, it's a great you know Sunday afternoon binge watch. He looks at different types of food, so it looks at barbecue. He actually looks at um, you know uh, the the stuffed pasta like a ravioli um, mm-hmm. across different you know Asian culture and and uh, Italian culture. And one of the episodes, Peter Meehan, who is his co-host, uh, talks about how authenticity uh, in food is, is dead. You know, whatever you're doing isn't authentic anymore. It's all mm-hmm. a derivative of, of something else. So, you know, this is the, the sandwich versus ravioli argument here is reminding me of that. Um, mm-hmm. On the surface, sure, it's a, it's a sandwich and we want it to be a sandwich, but it also could be a ravioli, you know, who, who says this can't be a, you know, a dish that that's on a plate and, and maybe there's some, there's some fun peanut butter reduction that goes with it. Um, <laughs> you know, like it, it could be any of those things. So it, it's fun to sort of flip that stuff on its head and, and look at it with some different context. Yeah. It was great to see the, the debate even rage in Wikipedia, um, yeah, yeah. whether how it's getting classified over there. Um, we even had Uncrustables weigh in on it. You know, they say it says right on the box sandwich. So, yeah, I guess that that clears it up right from the source. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it, you know, we, we need more official statements in, in this life. Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right, John, let's get right with it. Let's get with the news. Um, the thing that is probably dominating um, everything in in social media and digital right now is what's happening um, with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. Um, there's a lot of, uh, almost every day, there seems to be a new news story around it. Um, we'll give you just a quick uh, recap of kind of what actually happened and, and what is Cambridge Analytica and what they did. Um, and then we'll kind of get into some of the discussion around it. So, so first up, Cambridge Analytica is actually a political data firm um, that's based out in uh, UK. Uh, and this is a, a data firm that Uh, was hired by President Trump's 2016 election campaign. What they did um, was that in 2014, um, these researchers, uh, there was a researcher there that uh, asked uh, users to take a personality survey. And I'm sure we've seen a ton of those kind of surveys and and quizzes um, on Facebook and download an app um, to do so. So what that personality survey did is that it scraped um, a lot of private information from users' Facebook profiles. I think it was just over around 200,000 people that um, took that personality quiz. Um, but it also, what it also did is that it was able to access those 200,000 people, um, their friends and, and their followers' information as well. And while the users opted in, um, to that uh, information, their friends and, and family didn't. Um, so they were actually able to get um, over 50 information on over 50 million Facebook users there. Um, so a lot of questions like, were they hacked? No, it wasn't a hack. Um, at the time, Facebook you know, routinely let researchers have access to that data, um, but they did it for really academic purposes. Um, you know, but they, they don't allow this data to go just to any ad network or data broker or an institution that could try to monetize that data. Um, and what ended up happening was that 
Um, somehow that data went from that researcher to Cambridge Analytica. Um, and uh, they said that, you know, Cambridge Analytica said that they um, deleted that data. Um, but it turned out, um, you know, well, right now they're investigating um, whether that data was actually deleted. So um, it was kind of reported out um, by a whistleblower um, that this data was being used um, within the, the 2016 election. Um, and, and that's really kind of how it's kind of spiraled out of, uh, out of control here. So, um, you know, Facebook is, is uh, they banned, you know, uh, that harvesting app. Um, they did mm-hmm. it um, what, back in uh, 2015, actually, when they, um, when they, they initially found out about it. Uh, but recently they suspended Cambridge Analytica's account on Facebook. They're hiring a digital forensics firm to see if, if that info still exists. Um, but, but the reaction, I think the reaction has been the, the, the most telling part about all of this. It's, it's been swift. Um, it's been hard against Facebook. This is probably the biggest, um, you know, issue that they've, that they faced since their inception. Oh, um, sure. We're seeing, you know, the stock is down, um, you know, about 10%, maybe a little bit more. It kind of fluctuates on a day by day basis here. Um, so, you know, they've been. So far, they've been pretty silent. You know, recently we saw a, a statement posted by uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, the, the UK is asking, um, you know, for him to testify, um, at, you know, at their, at their investigations. But he's sending a couple of deputies over there. Um, he has committed that he is going to testify here in uh, the United States um, with, our, with the U.S. investigation. Um, so really, you know, we're, right now we're, it, we're seeing how this is playing out. Um, you know, we're starting to see some celebrities. There's been the delete Facebook movement. Um, you know, we're seeing, uh, yeah, I think yesterday I saw Will Ferrell said that he's going to, he can no longer go on Facebook and he's going to delete his uh, profile. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It, I, I think missed he posted that. It, I think he posted it on Wednesday. That he's, yeah. he was going to he, he made a post on Facebook and he was going to let it circulate for 72 hours. And I think today, sometime today, like this afternoon, I think that's kind of when the 72 hours is up. So we'll see I, if I, he d- actually deleted it. I, I did enjoy the irony of um, Playboy announcing that they were leaving Facebook, but they made that <laughs> announcement on Instagram. Which is a which is a which is a Facebook owned uh, property. Now, right. you know, I totally understand why they would make that shift and, and they want to capitalize on the news. But um, I, the, the irony was not lost on everyone I follow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, you're going to start to see people, you know, are they separating, you know, Instagram from Facebook right now? Yeah. Um, do they, I think initially we're starting, you know, you're seeing that people are treating them separately oh, sure. um, and, and, you know, they're not, you know, making a whole blanket, you know, delete everything Facebook. I don't think yeah. that you're seeing that yet. Um, and, and quite honestly, I don't see, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if brands actually do start to leave Facebook. I think you're starting to see some right now, um, but it's still, you know, it, unless if the users start to delete Facebook and they're no longer active on it, uh, you know, that you'll see that the ad dollars move away from there. I think like yeah. with any, 
you know, like with any medium over here. Um, it, it, it's been, it's been fun to, it's been fun to see people like I, you know, you and I have been in this, in this world for, you know, frankly, probably a large part of our adult lives. And, and I'm comfortable with my name and what I do and, and things I talk about living in public, but the majority of, of people who use these platforms and use these services or use the internet, that's a, that's a novel idea to them. It's, it's a novel idea that, that these interactions are now, in theory, public domain, you know, whether, mm-hmm. they, whether they like it or not. So it's been, it's been you know, from my, my cynical, uh, you know, chair in the sky, it's been fun to watch people uh, freak out uh, about this. <laughs> um, but it's also very interesting to me to, to think about, you know, how we got here. And, and you know, we work in a, uh, a field where it's the response, you know, how you respond to something is super critical. And mm-hmm. a lot of Facebook's got a lot of fire about how they how they've responded, how quickly they have responded, especially, you know, the statement from Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, calls for him to go in front of Congress. And, and that's because this this whole issue really, frankly, it rails against a lot of what their business is. You know, their you mentioned their their market value dropped you know, I don't know, like 50, $50 billion, which is larger than some entire market caps for, for uh, Fortune 500 companies. And that's all based in the, uh, not just how their business works, but, but how Facebook operates. Um, I, I read uh, pretty religiously uh, this, this column by an analyst named Ben Thompson. And he writes on, on his blog, uh, Stratechery, and he put this pretty, pretty plainly in, in terms that if you look at Facebook and Google, um, the whole premise of, of Facebook is that their, their goal was to find as much information uh, about you and the ability, because they're a closed network, is to their competitors, say Google, for example, Google has, has no access to all this information we're giving you um, we're giving Facebook. So Facebook has mm-hmm. free reign to try to, you know, quote unquote, sell that information through advertising or, or through arrangements like you just described. Um, but Google can't do that. But mm-hmm. Google also has the advantage, you know, their, their business is different because we actively tell them what we're looking for. Right. You know, we, someone goes to a search box and you put something into the search, that intent is super critical from a marketing perspective. And then if you flip that on its coin, what Facebook is trying to do is, is, is try to figure out everything about you, everything that surrounds you, um, because what they don't know is what you're searching for. Right. So looking, looking at Facebook and looking at Google is these two, these two big picture items as all this news plays itself out has been super interesting for me. Yeah, yeah it's definitely interesting to see how intent yeah. um, you know, drives – consumer perception even of the two platforms right like you go to facebook not with the intent of really buying anything but with google you're you know you're you're intent on searching a specific topic or you know a product or a service and you're much more willing to accept you know the information that google is collecting about you and serving you a relevant ad in that case so it that part is 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 really interesting to see how it's going to play out um, totally. You know, much, much more to see, uh, much more um, that we'll keep track of here as this plays out. 
um, you know, as as Mark and and other executives are um, are testifying and releasing information, we'll definitely have more to share um, as that goes on. Okay, uh, so going on to the the next story. So we had South by Southwest every every March. Mm-hmm. The there's an annual pilgrimage to Austin um, for. Uh, breakfast tacos and, yes. and, and parties um, <laughs> in the evening and music. Um, and, and we had another South by Southwest this year. So, um, John, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what sure. happened at, at South by this year? Sure. So I, I actually just got back from, from Austin last week. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't partaking in, um, in any direct South by Southwest activities, but it was interesting to be in the city and, and watch it sort of come out of the, come out of the coma that is, um, <laughs> is South by Southwest and, and seeing all, you know, the, the, uh, the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, the, the bartenders, the, the folks at the restaurant, you know, talk about South by Southwest in, in, the, in the past tense. Um, and I think that these, the folks in, in Austin and, and, and they had to, big sea change this year where South by Southwest sort of, it shifted towards entertainment. It shifted towards big personalities and, and big macro topics. And it, and it shifted away from um, apps and startups that, that defined um, what South by Southwest was. Um, we when, know was that, when was sorry. the last, like, when was, what was the last like big uh, app that was even released there? Was it, was it Meerkat? Uh, it was Meerkat was pretty big. I mean, I don't. I know that all those. I think is is Meerkat still around or is it being no, <laughs> no. But I think I think Twitter. I think I think the biggest the biggest thing that's had the most global impact that's coming out of South by Southwest in, in two thousand seven uh, was definitely Twitter. Um, and now Twitter, as we know, is a is a big part in the center along with Facebook about mm-hmm. how these the questions around. Um, how media is, is managed and how media informs the, the general public. So if, if, we look at, if we look at this year and look at that shift from um, apps and startups to entertainment and, and big topics, I think the, the sort of impact of South by Southwest is still prominent because it gives a, it gives a forum to discuss stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, hashtag Me Too was, was a big topic, lots of uh, panels. Um, and, and there were some, some hiccups, you know, there was lots of hiccups because we know the technology world is, you know, primarily guys. Um, so there's lots of, uh, a big lens on, on how inclusion, uh, and diversity, uh, was represented in, in the tech world. Um, crypto and, and blockchain and how those types of technology are going to change different industries, whether it's marketing, whether it's healthcare, um, whether it's, you know, restaurants, uh, all those things were, were big topics of conversation uh, among panels uh, and talks and talks. Um, the Arethrium co-founder, uh, Joseph Lubin, uh, did, a, did a talk uh, about them. Um, mm-hmm. And even uh, a founder's organization uh, did a talk with some VC firms at local restaurants. So, you know, how crypto is... Um, you know, taking over the, the mindset of, of marketing was a big topic. Uh, politics, as I mentioned, um, connected to Facebook and the media and how Facebook plays such an important role on how Americans and people globally uh, consume news. So I think that that's probably going to be the theme. If we look at South by Southwest, 
2018. You know, it's a moment for um, people in our industry to stop and eat some breakfast tacos. I mentioned that I was <laughs> I was a big taco fan at, at the top, and and I ate lots of tacos in Austin. Um, and really think about you know the major macro themes that are impacting our day to day lives, and it's less about um, you know apps and, and technology, and and that's been something fun to watch too because as technology has proliferated through the globe, um, you don't need to be in San Francisco and you don't need to be in Austin or you don't need to be uh, in Asia to launch something or create something that's uh, that's interesting. Um, so now South by Southwest is a place where we can come talk about those interesting things. So JRL, do you think yeah. that, um, do you think it's still worth it for brands to activate at South by Southwest? I, I think so. You, you saw, you saw HBO get a ton of buzz um, for their, for their Westworld activation. And that was a great example of where they um, connected uh, an offline uh, event to uh, an online conversation. I mean, we all know that when you're trying to create buzz on, on social, a big part of that is, is you need to give something for, for someone to point their camera at uh, on their mm-hmm. phone. So uh, HBO took over uh, a, a ghost town, like a movie set about an hour outside of Austin and essentially recreated Westworld, like a live, you know, a live theater version of, of Westworld. And if you were lucky enough to um, get an invitation to this, this party, it was, it was a pretty cool thing to see. But I think it, it, so yes, you've got that opportunity because you know, you know HBO has a, has a captive audience of, of media and, and marketers to, to, to have a conversation with. But if you're a brand or if you're a company that has, um, has a major stake in the larger conversations that are happening, whether it's, um, you know, you do a lot on Facebook or whether uh, you're, you have a big opinion or perspective on inclusion and diversity or you're uh, one of these burgeoning technologies like blockchain or uh, cryptocurrency, um, so for a brand perspective, you want to think about the, the macro themes that are going to take you through the whole entire week of South by Southwest and almost less about how, how much buzz you can create because um, we, you want that conversation to continue um, after South by Southwest. And often once people get on that plane and leave Austin, they've probably forgotten about half the panels uh, that they <laughs> attended. So. You know, it, it, as anywhere, if you have a if you have a point of view and, and you have a, a a card in the game, I think South by Southwest is important to to be part of those macro conversations. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's still a, a major uh, event in our in our industry. It's still uh, a major place where great conversation, um, great topics are being discussed. Um, yeah. I think yeah, you're right. You're going to see less of those. Um, you know, apps um, getting launched. But um, I think with new technology like blockchain, like crypto, you're gonna, probably going to see new innovations being launched and, and being discussed at, at places like that as well. That's so, true. Yeah, I think it's like third waves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be the new wave, you know, social, yeah. social media and, and the internet is now, you know, uh, pervasive here. So it's going to be what's next? What's the new thing um, that we want?
Okay, we're going to do a new segment on the podcast, um, and we're going to start explaining what is going on with blockchain, what in the world is going on with <laughs> cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And I have a our resident Ketchum uh, blockchain expert. Just an oversold. Yeah. Uh, Joe Devlin here. Uh, Joe is a uh, strategist here in our Chicago office. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about blockchain uh, and try to keep up um, with the uh, all the changes going on there. But Joe, I think the first question is, uh, I think we have to explain what is blockchain actually and why do we even care about this topic? Um, I think the easiest way to explain blockchain is when consumers or people need trust in a system. And typically when people need trust in a system, they look to a centralized uh, authority. So in currencies, um, if you need to send money to somebody else, uh, typically that money is sent through a bank. The bank is the trusted entity that is uh, facilitating that transaction. Um, in a block, when, when there's not a centralized person um, or authority figure that is uh, facilitating that transaction, um, blockchain can be used. Um, because the question can be, well, what happens when, um, say, that centralized bank or authority figure, what if they get hacked? Or what if they're, um, you know, what if they have some uh, unscrupulous people at the helm and they, uh, maybe it's a Ponzi scheme or something, or what if somebody is not really telling the truth? Um, that's when uh, blockchain could be really useful. And you'll hear a lot when you look at things about blockchain around um, something that they call a distributed ledger. Um, Joe, can you explain kind of what a distributed ledger is? Uh, yeah, so I think it's just this idea of, um, you know, as you talk about like the working with a, a big bank that has the ledger and they have all of their information inside, um, you know, it's inside their, their computers, inside their, you know, the, imagine the paper ledger that they used to, that, um, you know, they used to have going back for, to keep know, track of to like keep track of everything, all the transactions going on, uh, instead of that living inside the bank or living on a computer, it's living kind of like in the cloud and it's, it's, it's living by, with everybody. Yes. Yeah, so everyone's, yeah. everyone's participating and helping to fill in the ledger. And because everyone's filling in the ledger, not one person has the control. It can't be manipulated. It can't be hacked. It can't be, you know, you can't hack something that is kind of spread across everyone where everyone's um, participating in, you know, in the calculation and all these things that go into that. So basically what you're saying is that because everybody has access to the ledger and everybody is recording uh, all the transactions at the same time, that you can't just hack one because then you'd have to hack everything. Exactly. And every single transaction, every single uh, rec record on the blockchain, you'd have to you'd have to hack that in order for somebody to mess up the blockchain. Yeah, and and you can't you can't go back in time and like have some sort of fraudulent behavior because all of the the all of the people that are doing the math and owning the ledger have the proof that backs you know everything lines up. Um, so that you can kind of you talk about trust, it kind of gives you a decent idea of the you know where things have gone because you can look at you know 
you can look at this ledger that, that hasn't that can't be manipulated that can't be changed mm -hmm. and you can know for a fact that what's there is true cool so what is going on in blockchain so i think i think we'll spend a little bit more you know in, in future episodes talking a little bit more about some of the applications of blockchain um, and all the different kind of use cases there um, that are probably going to transform the way we the way we work and the way we think about uh, business but uh, what's going on with blockchain what's kind of the in the last week or so what what's kind of the new things new developments in blockchain so i think well, the the interesting or the cool part about this is we're at a point where it's just starting to be adopted or explored by major major industries so these are this isn't you know a single company this is like the entire industry for healthcare for example so something we saw a couple of days ago was around um, two healthcare partners humana and united health group who are competing partners they don't work together are now agreed to work together to come up with, uh, again, we call a decentralized ledger that has all of the provider information for everyone, uh, I assume in the United States, but this is something that could apply globally. And when we talk, this is like a great example of how the ledger, um, by, by it being decentralized, and it's not something that just Humana owns or just United Health Group owns, um, by working together, they're able to save like incredible numbers and costs. So I think that the number they estimate is 2.1 billion is lost in not having the accurate provider information or up-to-date provider information um, you know, for each of their, their organizations. So they're saying, if we just work together, we can both save some money. And I think this is kind of, you know, this is maybe the first application, but I think you and I have even talked about, this could be something that goes for patient records or for you know, treatments. I know they talk about like, when we're trying to, to, to cure cancer and solve cancer, there are, you know, hundred different cancers and there's a hundred different ways to treat each one mm -hmm. and the ledger can help provide doctors with all the information um, in a way that hasn't existed um, as of yet I think one other thing I saw earlier today just to kind of let you know of like how the opportunity that exists is I think IBM um, announced today that they see it, it being like 3.1 billion for their company uh, in the future they're like you have to get involved mm -hmm. they've made a huge investment and they've had a huge pivot where they're putting a ton of resources and energy into applying blockchain technology into, I guess, you know, all, you know IBMs and everything really, right. and all the different ways they can affect it. Yeah, I think just just thinking about it, even from a your own personal medical records and all, all the different you know doctors that you would go see or hospitals that you would go see, even just the management of that is just an absolutely enormous amount of work and moving people to towards electronic medical records is a huge step yeah. even just sharing that information but like i don't know maybe maybe there's blockchain medical records you know and like think about how unlikely you are to switch doctors just because you don't want to, have to sit down and fill out the sheet all over right again and fill out your entire page there's some there's comfort and they just know everything about you has right. happened and think about different treatments you could explore different doctors you could go to or you know when you go from being a child to an adult and you have to go from a pediatrician Cool. All right. Well, this is a topic that we will ex continue to explore on future uh, episodes. So uh, we'll have Joe on in a regular capacity, educating us on blockchain. So uh, thanks. And uh, we'll get back to the podcast then. Here. So um, unfortunately, um, in, in our in the quest 
to uh, create a self-driving car, um, Uber actually had the first recorded uh, fatality with a self-driving car. They had an accident um, uh, last week and um, a, a, a Uber car that was, uh, had an emergency uh, driver in the, in the, in the seat um, did strike uh, a pedestrian um, and they, uh, that happened in, in Arizona. They, they struck and killed a woman um, that was walking in the street. Um, and with that, you know, with that accident, uh, Uber definitely, they suspended all of their, um, their testing in not only Tempe, but also in Pittsburgh and San Francisco and Toronto as well. So there's a lot of talk around, you know, whose fault it was um, and, and how we could prevent something like this. Um, I think that, you know, if, if anyone, this is a, this is a new technology that's definitely going to be, um, you know, looking back on it, you know, within probably, you know, 10 years or so, you know, it's going to, I, my prediction is that it's going to be, um, you know, you know, we'll look back and wonder a, a, a day when, you know, people actually had to drive. I think it's still going to be there. <laughs> Um, but it definitely comes with risk right now. There's a lot of testing and, yeah. and um, you know, not all of the kinks um, as evidenced are, have been, have been rectified here. So um, I think it's something that we, that we still need to watch um, it with that, um, with that halt, um, you know, it, it brings up an interesting discussion on, um, yes, there are going to be accidents um, with any kind of moving vehicle, whether it's, um, you know, a, a person behind the wheel or whether it's autonomous. Um, you know, it, I think it's important to also put it into perspective of um, how many accidents and fatalities, um, you know, consumers and, and, and drivers are actually responsible for um, and and will... Um, an autonomous driving car um, actually end up saving more lives than, you know, what humans could do. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a, a great ethical question right now. Um, you know, could that, uh, could that accident have been, um, could it have been prevented? Um, I think probably with enough testing and more research around it, I think that it's something that it could, um, but it's also interesting how it'll be interesting to see how much, you know, this accident kind of puts, um, you know, pushes back the, the growth of this industry. Oh, yeah. What do you think, John? Well, I think that you're, you're right. I mean, they're, they're, everyone is, they, you know, pause and like, wait a minute, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. Um, they're trying to figure out why it happened. And, and the, all this testing is important because it's going to inform regulation. You know, like we, the, you talked about Facebook and, and everyone is now thinking that technology is, from a, a software perspective, is going to be regulated. But this is the self-driving and autonomous driving is a whole separate um, regulation challenge. And, and, you know, how is this, this incident going to impact the, the timeline for that? Because we know how much uh, regulation can then impact the economy of, you know, either you know, car companies who are making these autonomous cars um, or the, the software development 
um, companies who are supplying the, the, the software for the, for these systems. Uh, I, I think only because I'm, I'm not a pessimist, but, but maybe a, a realist is that the, the impact of, of machine learning and, and how all of these, um, like, you know, LIDAR technology and how all the software systems that power um, autonomous driving are, how they're learning the environment around them. Uh, a lot of that is, is through machine learning is the, is the big, the big long-term um, impact here is, is we need to, to watch that. I mean, there's been studies uh, I've read recently about how you can essentially uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence can uh, create digital forgery where you, it might look like it's, it's sunny outside, but uh, a piece of code or, or something can create an image that makes it look rainy um, or, mm-hmm. or wet. And that image is what the computer in your car could be reading or, or could right. be seeing. And I think the impact of, of how your car is operated is a, is a big deal. It's, it's funny. I read something. Uh, it was a tweet. Uh, this is a couple of, of months ago, but um, someone was like, you know, when you're, you're trying to search for something, I'll, I'll use Google as an example, and it, you get the, the captcha um, lock, like mm-hmm. you go to search, or maybe you go to Ticketmaster and you want to buy some tickets, and you're like, "Oh, verify you're a you're a human." Are you a ro- Are you right. a robot? <laughs> right, 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 right. I I am a robot. Um, <laughs> all of that, all of that isn't necessarily, and it's, it asks you to pick. You know, it, you should use six pictures, and it says, "Tell me which one is has a tree in each of these pictures." Right. And you think, "Oh, well, duh, this is a great way to figure out if I'm uh, a computer or not." Actually, what you're doing is you're helping companies like Google or you're helping somebody program uh, software. You're, that's machine learning. What you're mm-hmm. doing is, is, as a human, you're saying you're verifying that in these pictures, there's a tree in the top right and there's a tree in, in the top left. Um, so like all of those things are going to go into the machine learning software that then programs autonomous driving cars. So while this, we think this is something that's happening so much in the future, and then we're not going to be in a fully autonomous Jetsons car until you know 2025. All the stuff that's going to create that technology in the next 10 to 15 years is happening when you're trying to get those Beyonce tickets. <laughs> so well, Beyonce is Beyonce is apparently responsible. For she yes, that. it all leads back <laughs> to Beyonce. Right. Well, that will be again something to yeah. continue to watch here. Um, it's definitely promising technology, but um, definitely more work is needed there. Cool. Uh, so the next thing, um, everyone, uh, we, we've joked on this podcast uh, a lot um, that uh, Facebook is dead. Is Facebook dead? Um, <laughs> and that's always maybe. been the discussion. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, maybe now. Yes. Yeah. So, maybe it, now. It, so, um, so, so Pew research uh, puts out their annual um, social media usage uh, by platform. Um, And they just released um, earlier this month, they just released uh, their 2018 study. Um, So Gerald, what were some of the highlights that we've seen? Is Facebook actually dead? Sure. Uh, Facebook is alive and well. Um, Everyone's going to wake up tomorrow morning and and use Facebook and and look at Facebook and, and hear about it on the news. Um, Facebook is, is alive and well, um, and so is YouTube. 
So the, the Pew Research uh, said the majority of Americans now use both both Facebook and, and YouTube. Uh, it clocks in at Facebook clocks in about 68 percent of U.S. Uh, adults um, who say they use the following sites on um, online or on their on their mobile device. And YouTube's actually even higher than that, at 73 percent. So if you look at, at North America and, and the U.S. and the two that connect us digitally, uh, YouTube and Facebook uh, are kings of the castle uh, mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to that. Well, Facebook uh, has been pretty flat, though, for the last couple of years. Yeah. Yes, um, it has. And I think, I think that what people – and it, it's, it's the growth has been flat, um, and, and people automatically think that it's the most popular – social network when in reality youtube more americans are are using youtube and and probably casually um mm-hmm. watching videos versus engaging uh right. on on facebook so when you're when you think about putting together campaigns or if you're a brand trying to um do something that has a very large amount of impact uh youtube might be your your first stop um versus versus facebook gerald what about the kids we all want to know what are the kids using so the, the kids, the kids are still using Snapchat. They're, they're still using Instagram. The overwhelming 94% of them, um, 18 and 24 year olds use YouTube. But was, what was interesting uh, about this, this year's data from, from Pew is that there's, when you go into a younger uh, demographic and especially when you go into, um, you know, different uh, ethnicities uh, in the U S what happens is people are, are using these social platforms like Snapchat like Instagram, um, like Pinterest, they're using them a lot more so that their frequency is a lot higher. So while the majority of adults might be on Facebook, maybe our, our parents might check Facebook once a day on their, on their desktop computer, we know that um, the kids, um, even myself, we're opening up Facebook you know, every free minute we get. Like the minute our, <laughs> our, our minds are empty, Let's go see what other people are doing. And you open up Instagram and you open up Facebook and you sort of scroll. So younger, younger, younger demographics will use these, these platforms with greater frequency and also at uh, greater depth. You'll see people have beyond more social platforms um, than, than older people. Cool. And then the, the last one here. So um, you were seeing GIFs. Um, or GIFs? Is it GIFs or GIFs? What do you What do you prefer? Oh boy, I think it's another Twitter debate. I feel th- this, and I was <laughs> I was not ready for this question. I, I, I think I I think I go with I think I go with GIF. I think I GIF I'm, is I'm, like GIF, GIF is my is, natural way of saying it, but yeah. I know that the technical is it's actually most, GIF. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, no. anyways, well, with the rise of of GIFs or GIFs. <laughs> um, we're starting to see brands play a lot more into that space. Um, and, and some of the, the gifts that you or gifs that you may be seeing are actually um, ads now. So, Gerald, why don't you talk about this? Sure. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we, we all like to send. Um, I know that I, I send, do this a lot with, with my friends and, and, and my family. I like to send people gifts of of, you know, well-known clips from, from movies or, or TV shows. And, and what these, these things are meant to do is, is they say a lot in, in one moment. And what's happening now is you might not realize it, but the gift that 
that you use from from Giphy or you search for on on Facebook or on your phone, it, it might be an ad. Um, we see that that PepsiCo recently they launched a new sparkling water brand called Bubbly, um, and late February, according to Ad Week, they they rolled out um, thousands of, of gifts with Neil Patrick Harris uh, in a bunch of them uh, onto Giphy, uh, so that consumers who were looking to express that they're quote annoyed um, or quote over it or maybe feel like dancing, um, they would stumble on uh, GIF ads uh, for Bubbly. And then they could say, all right, this captures my emotion or this captures, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. And then, you know, I could send you like if, you know, admit I could send you a, a text that I'm over it. I'm over this podcast. And I might, <laughs> it, might, it, might be a, it might be an ad with, with Neil Patrick Harris in this. So I think this is interesting to look at because it, it's representative of a couple of things. The, the first thing is it's a different format. Um, it's a new, a new way for marketers to uh, develop uh, social, inherently social content. Um, it's a different type of, of search platform. When we think of how people find things, we think of, okay, they'll might, they might search for something using a hashtag on Twitter. They'll put a search into Google. Um, they might search for a video on YouTube. But you don't often think about searching for something on, on a GIF platform like Giphy, and, and that's exactly what... Um, actually happens um, when you're when you're sending a sending a GIF, and then finally there there's lots of conversation in the marketing world about how do you as a brand impact um, messenger platforms, like how do I weasel my way into Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp mm-hmm. or what people are texting each other, and to me uh, on face value this looks like it you know this looks like the start of that like if I'm if I'm Pepsi. And, uh, you know, I want to get this, this brand sort of uh, ping um, into people's mindsets using Giphy and being able for someone to send it over Facebook Messenger or send it over SMS uh, is a great way to, to accomplish that goal. So I think that we'll see a lot more of this and, and the rise of um, how people find gifts and the role that gifts play uh, in the very multimedia uh, messaging experience is something to pay attention to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even just with my social media usage, I'm seeing myself trending more towards the messengers, WhatsApp, um, yeah. you know, Instagram groups. So it's, it's becoming more of the, the friend messaging versus a broadcast messaging. And yes. you know, this is, this is such a cool way to um, get in on that. I think you're exactly right there. I, I was I was put on a a, a 70 person Facebook Messenger thread two days ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, for for a college reunion. Um, so that that that's muted right now. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Great. And that's it for this episode of As Seen on Internet. Uh, I'm your host, Amit Wadera, and um, a pleasure to have my co-host, John Rackleflee, join me again. And uh, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review if you like our content. It really helps us out. Um, And we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, guys.